0: feminine, whether you're across town or across the globe. I think I have a great show for you tonight. Um, our topic is finding life's sweet spot amidst the chaos uh, with Brianna Borton. Uh, tonight, Brianna, a co-author of The Well Life, will chat with us about how to get our lives back under control if you've lost the reins and want greater satisfaction. Uh, this is the episode for you. If uh, you can't see uh, the way out of an unhealthy job, relationship, or, or a poor self-image, uh, Brianna will suggest meaningful steps to give yourself um, a total life makeover. Uh, you'll learn how to define your superpower powers and cultivate a positive mindset, and why moving forward might call for a a defining of what you want from life. In this time of angst and chaos, here is the perfect show. So you want to stay tuned in because we'll be chatting about that in just a few minutes. And if you're new to the show, uh, I'm your hostess, Karen Tate, Um, honored to be named one of the 13 most influential women in God of Spirituality and a wisdom keeper of the goddess spirituality movement and i thank you for taking your valuable time tonight to be with me and uh, my wonderful guest and um i uh, warmly invite you to partake of the sharing of this show and all the um wonderful past shows that live in the archives and i know um Many of you have lovingly called These archives a treasure trove Of wisdom for our time So um, my thanks to you And um, you know While we're handing out thanks I want to thank the reclaiming Folks Uh, they have put out Some wonderful uh, activist Chants and uh, you were Listening to one opening the show Called uh, weave and spin Now, I know from the demographics that we've been picking up a lot of new listeners, so if you're, uh, again, new to the show or just getting to know me, uh, I've been the host here of Voices of the Sacred Feminine for, um, I think, maybe about 11 years now. I'm also the author of several books. Uh, My fifth came out at the beginning of the year, uh, dedicated to Senator uh, Bernie and Jane Sanders and the visionary and foremother, Rhianne Eisler, uh, author of uh, The Chalice and the Blade, you <laughs> Uh, And the new book was an anthology Of uh, the sacred feminine All grown up As I like to explain Uh, And it's called Goddess 2.0, Advancing a New Path Forward Talking about how Ideals of the feminine Like caring economics, sharing Nurturing, equality and fairness Must become the new normal If we're to uh, Save the future of humanity And Mother Earth And find any kind of sustainable Uh, You can check out my website at KarenTate.com for my other books. Um, uh, I've written about sacred places of goddess. There are meditations and inspirational messages uh, that make goddess ideals relevant in everyday life and my other book called Goddess Calling. Uh, There's two anthologies out there which are perfect examples of partnership and action, by the way. And Walking an Ancient Path about how a recovering Catholic like me from the Bible Belt became a goddess advocate and started the Isis Ancient Culture Society. Which was a not-for-profit I ran with my husband Roy for 10 years Uh, It's helpful if you want to Incorporate more goddess into your Life or community so again Check out com for Special pricing I'm moving A lot of inventory right now uh, So slashing uh, some Prices with some book bundles And if uh, you're outside The United States and want to get your Hands on some of these books uh, I Do have uh, PDF or Kindle versions available I can Send you. Well, today is March 15th, and uh, I know uh, that's kind of a famous date, uh, the day that uh, Caesar uh, was uh, assassinated, the Ides of March, uh, but, um, you know, March 15th has taken on a new flavor, uh, as so many on uh, social media are calling the Ides of Trump. Did you send in your postcards today to uh, President Trump and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell? Well, I sure did, and it's not too late. You can still get yours uh, to the post office. You know, it was the first thing I did this morning, headed off to the post office and popped them in the box, um, We are, are of course, hoping to hear about uh, if this turns into a big national response in the news. So if any listeners uh, hear anything uh, in the coming days, uh, please uh, forward along the story. But uh, let's uh, get to my plan uh, for tonight's show. Uh, you'll want to stay tuned in uh, with me after tonight's interview because Pat, our uh, roving reporter, has sent in some great stories we think you'll want to hear, uh, but uh, turning to our interview uh As I said earlier, tonight's guest uh, is Brianna Borton, co-author of The Well Life, How to Use Structure, Sweetness, and Space to Create Balance uh happiness and peace uh something I think uh, many of us really need in these challenging times so uh let me start to uh introduce uh Brianna uh to you uh by way of her bio and uh then we'll start our chat um so uh Brianna and dr peter borton uh they are the uh authors of this new book the well life and um they're also the creators of uh, the Rituals of Living online community and Dragon Tree, a holistic wellness brand. Uh, Brianna is a mastery coach with uh, an extensive uh, background in coaching clients to help them reach personal breakthroughs and mastery. Uh, Peter, her co author, is a doctor of Asian medicine who helps people attain whole health of body and mind. And uh, he's authored hundreds of articles uh, spanning topics. Such as stress, emotion, wellness, uh, nu- nutrition, fitness, and our connection with nature. Uh, their website is uh, the uh dot com. com. So, Brianna, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Karen.
0: Um well you know um most people uh you know their lives uh sometimes they get swung off course maybe they can't fathom you know how to get uh life back under control maybe they can't see their way out of an unhealthy job uh poor self image relationship uh but uh you and uh Peter uh you know, you believe that you can help each person to um, find tranquility and satisfaction and uh, get back on track. Um, you know, how how do you give yourself such a total life makeover?
1: Yeah, I mean, what we had seen was that so many of our clients and friends were struggling with, you know, like setting and getting goals or creating balance in their life or having meaningful relationships and at some point we realized how many people were asking us again and again how we do it <laughs> like How do you do it? Like you seem happy, you have a lot of stuff going on, and yet you're calm and peaceful and really feel like um, there's a different energy to be around you. And we really didn't realize that we were doing anything that much different than everyone else until these inquiries were coming in so much. And it really is when we decided to stop and take a look at our lives and the lives of our clients who we had helped do these things as well and see, like, well, what are the actual elements that are involved in creating a really balanced, happy, and peaceful life? And so as we are looking at that, I think that because we come from systems of medicine that are very elemental in nature, we ended up coming to an elemental system. And the elements that we came to that really support this are the elements of structure, sweetness, and space, and using these elements throughout your life and applying them in different ways and making sure that they are in balance for you so that your whole overall life feels balanced and happy.
0: Well, you know, I, I know I, You know, we always hear, you know, you want to have your, uh, well, we call it sometimes, you know, I teach partnership classes, and it's partnership with yourself, um, you know, having yourself uh, in balance, your body, your mind, your spirit. And, you know, this feels like this is a complement to that. I, I think in the materials you sent me, you equate the uh, sweetness with feeding your soul structure Uh, you that's your intentional framework and space is the purposeful time for reflection Um, did you want to speak to that in a little bit more
1: detail maybe Yeah, so I can talk to you about each of those elements. So um, I'll start with sweetness because that's what you started with. Um, So sweetness is all of the feel-good, soul-nourishing, really enjoyable things that we do in our lives. And one thing that we noticed a lot was people delaying sweetness. So whether or not they just delayed it till the end of the day, which is like often the best case scenario, or they delayed it till the weekend, or they delayed it till their vacation, or they delayed it to retirement, um, but lots of delaying of sweetness is one of the things we notice. Not no one not valuing it, which is a good thing, but just a lot of delaying it, which is actually a sign of not valuing it as much as you think you do. So we really encourage people to. Schedule sweetness into every day so that every day you're doing something that feels good, whether that's like having dinner with friends or making music or doing art or, you know, enjoying a sunset, something that really nourishes your soul because these soul-nourishing things really do help us have energy for all the rest of our lives. So that's the first part of sweetness is actually scheduling it and doing those things. And then the second part of sweetness is really bringing your attention to what is sweet already or sweetifying your life no matter what you're doing. And in order to do that, we really encourage people to become more present in every moment because there's actually a lot of sweetness in every moment if we just slow down and pay attention. And so this means that we don't have to delay sweetness ever because there's not just these extra sweet times of you know, making art. It means that even when we're doing Excel spreadsheets, we can make it a sweet moment because we're present with why we're doing it. Maybe we've made ourselves a cup of tea that we enjoy or, cozy, or in our cozy clothes. Something that makes us feel like there is a sensorial enjoyment as well really helps us a lot, often, make something more sweet than we originally felt it was so sweetifying life is also something that we really encourage people to do so that you can enjoy what is happening right now because we are not guaranteed any future moments so we might as well really enjoy the moment it, we're in right now so well that makes a, a lot of sense you know
0: that 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 idea of you know stop and smell the roses live in the moment Um, You know, it's so different in a way than, you know, you think about some religious practices, you know, teach us to uh, suffer and endure in this life, and our reward is going to be in the celestial hereafter, you know, or, uh, you know, maybe we're taught... uh, oh I I don't know, you know, that having fun uh is frivolous and you gotta keep your nose to the grindstone, stoned and, you know, work really hard or you're not uh, you know, a, a serious person of value. And you know, I think I I think um sometimes those are um sad uh ways to live a life, you know. Um it's so I think sometimes people don't hear often enough, well, what about the quality of your life? And I think that's what you're saying with this sweetness.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that, you know, what, when we look at successful people, we often just measure success by the amount of money somebody has, which is a severe lack of uh, foresight to think that money is the only thing that would make somebody successful. And I really would love to see more people really celebrated for enjoying life. Like, isn't that really success? Like, if you're enjoying your life, that seems to me right. like one of the biggest degrees of success you could ever earn. So... That is Absolutely. the sweetness aspect. And then we can move into structure. So structure is our life architecture. So it's all of the ways in which we move from point A to point B. So this might be the way that you set up your day, the way you schedule things, maybe the way you set a goal and break it down. It could even be the way you like lay out your kitchen in order to make meals with ease. So all of these things are our life structure. And pretty much everybody has a degree of life structure <laughs> otherwise they wouldn't have been able to get onto this to hear what we're talking about right now so there's Everyone has some degree, but it's whether or not that structure was created intentionally and also whether or not that structure is actually supporting you to get where you want to go. So what we see a lot is two things. Like if you wanted to get across a canyon, we see people trying two different ways. One is like I'm going to build a tightrope because I don't like a lot of structure. I don't want to be contained. So there's going to be a a line going across the canyon and I'm going to walk on it and it be adventurous maybe, but I'm going to feel pretty unsupported and not feel like I have a lot of um, capacity to know for sure that the next step is going to be a solid one, but at least I'm not being like contained within any sort of structure that might stop me from going a different direction. So okay. that's like the shoestring method—a very light, very light on the structure, um, very big on the space, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and then we see other people with their structures, and this happens a lot too, where it's like. Want to get across the canyon, I'm going to build a cement tunnel. And I'm definitely going to get there. I'm going to army crawl my way there. There's going to be no view along the way, but I'm definitely getting there because I'm just going to put my nose to the grindstone, like we talked about, and just get there. And this ends up with a lot of people that are really not enjoying life very much. They're definitely getting there, but their structure is like so so overcoming overwhelming their life that they don't have any space for sweetness and any space for more connection. And they or also spontaneity. Tend to Right, or spontaneity. spontaneity. Like they don't see that there's yeah. any other way to go either because they can't see anything mm. besides what they're in. And if the wind blows too hard, it like it cracks that cement, right? So if anything changes, their like cement tunnel it does not really isn't flexible. So if anything happens that they aren't expecting they can often crumble in their plan and then fall to the canyon floors so what we really are hoping for people is that they'll learn to create bridges like really elegant gorgeous bridges across canyons that you can see around you have a beautiful view it will get you where you want to go if the wind blows it's flexible that you can go move through life with a elegant structure that really supports you in going where you want to go. And so in a really practical way in our daily lives, this means, you know, learning how to maybe create a goal and break it down into a plan in a way that is going to get you towards that goal but also has enough flexibility so that you know if you aren't able if you get sick for a day you don't just like crawl under a rock you like get up the next day and see how you're doing and you refresh your plan and you know that you have some flexibility Mm -hmm. there as well.
0: Yeah, be kind to yourself. You know, it doesn't have to be so rigid and you feel like a failure if you uh, kind of, you know, uh, the the plan fell apart one day.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay.
0: Um, okay, and then the third is space, uh, purposeful time for reflection. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so space is what I feel like one of the hardest things to talk about in like words because a lot of it is this connection to something bigger than ourselves. So whether that for you is like God or divine or nature or your highest self, whatever that is, there is the ability to connect to this and so few of us nowadays are taking the time to do that. And it really hinders our ability to let something in that is different than what our minds are thinking. So one of the ways to think about it is like if you're wanting to have something more than what your conscious mind is Capable of, you have to actually create space in your conscious mind for your unconscious to come in. And that space is created almost always by meditating. So, meditating is a great tool for creating space. You can also do it through prayer or walks in nature or just being still. But all of these allow us, it's actually like that's very um, clear time for practicing creating space is are like meditating or praying or being in nature but they also have the great benefit of creating space overall so you may have heard the idea like if you don't have time to meditate for an hour a day meditate for two hours because it actually creates more space and time in your life everything kind of slows down I think most people that have had an experience of getting into regular meditation it doesn't usually happen after one or two times but after a long time of regularly meditating you just have so much more space in your life between having a thought and maybe reacting to that thought so that you can really be in charge of what you say rather than reacting or you know hmm. between ha- having uh you know between if you wanted to say like uh, do something that felt very inspirational, and you sometimes you can have that like real quickening of our hearts where it almost feels like anxiety. But meditating and other ways of deliberately creating space gives us the ability to actually enjoy that excitement rather than having the quickening that feels like anxiety. We're able to slow down enough to really enjoy that time, and and this space is where creativity comes from, where we're able to get inspiration and innovation. So all of those things that we are hoping for really, really come about by creating more space and connecting more to something bigger than ourselves.
0: Okay, all right. And um, you say that we have superpowers. Um, So define our superpowers, if you will.
1: Yeah, I mean, so we like to talk about people's Superpowers as their core values. So if you can determine what your core values are, these are the things that will help us make decisions. They help us lead the way. And we're really able to... Um, at- like have a kind of maybe best way to say it is like a like a road map so if you don't know what your core values are sometimes it's useful to look at you know what you value in other people or maybe even what you've seen in yourself if you look back and you think of the times where you were the happiest looking at the kinds of core values that were present there so they might be things like kindness or integrity or Service or community, things like that. There, where if you can identify, you know, maybe three to five of them that really, really light you up, so that you can then live your life coming from that place. Um, And then the next core value is knowing what your gifts are. So often we are spending so much of our time trying to fix. You know what our weaknesses are. So, you know, if you're not a good writer, maybe you would spend a bunch of time, you know, taking writing classes and doing other things where instead maybe you are really good at something else. Maybe you're really good at accounting. Instead of, you know, trying to become a better writer, you should just focus on your strengths and just become an amazing, like, like mind-blowingly good accountant. And so we encourage people, you know, if you have a weakness that is actually inflicting your life with negativity maybe you like if you aren't a good listener or you know you have anchor issues then yes those are weaknesses worth looking at but in general like when you're going forward in life to bring your self forward we encourage people to bring their gifts forward so whatever is your strength really try to um uh, strength than your strength and be able to bring that more into the world because it's different than everyone else's and as we do that we're able to really serve the world in a really big way. Um, and well, the and last I would imagine superpower. That,
0: okay. I, I would imagine that would also make you feel somewhat empowered too, wouldn't it? And uh, you know, maybe give you the confidence to, you know, move forward and uh maybe challenges become easier and um uh you know, as as you gain, uh, you know, experience or wisdom and, uh, you know, just confidence.
1: Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. And then the last one is to define our life purpose. So our life purpose is one of our superpowers. And I think that it is Unfortunately, I think so elusive to so many of us where we think, you know, people that are feel like they know their life purpose or are living their life purpose are just lucky somehow. Um, but what I have found and my husband has found is that the people that we know that are really living their life purpose chose it or, you know, really did the work to figure out what it was for them. And so we have a couple approaches in our book about finding out what your life purpose is, but... I think a lot of it is taking the time to really explore even the idea of it for yourself and then continuing to refine over time because, you know, it, it does change. We, we change all the time. We evolve all the time. And for me, I think I discovered like or chose my life purpose at about 20. And my life purpose isn't super different than it was then. I mean, it's a little different. I've refined the wording and the, like where I'm going with it but it's really helped lead me on a path that has been really nourishing for me in so many ways.
0: So would you say um, also to uh, Brianna that that life purpose, um, you know, you can give yourself permission to let it shift and morph because what you think your life purpose is at 18 or 20 or 22 um, I would imagine might look different at, you know, 35 or 40 or, you know, 60.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I think that the other thing is that it can be kind of broad, so it doesn't have to be, like, so specific. Like, your job is probably not your life purpose. Your job might be, like, in support of your life purpose, and that is great, but, you know, my life purpose, you know, when I started, it has morphed, but it also has kept me along the same line, but it's been fun because I revisit it. So, you know, if you do it when you're 18 and then you do it again when you're 60, that might seem, like, dramatically different, right? Um, But if you do it, you know, like, every six months or a year, you just at least check in with it. I mean, a lot of times the answer is, like, yes, that's still my life purpose. But if you just check in and see if you need to refine it all, then it ends up being, you know, just a gradual, like, dialing in. And then maybe the difference between 18 and 60 is still really big, but you've been – on the ride the whole way. So it hasn't felt like jarringly different. Mm hmm. Okay.
0: All right. And, oh, and why do you say keeping your word may be the most life changing habit to adopt?
1: Well, I am, this is like my favorite idea almost in the whole book. It's like the thing I love to talk about the most because I think that when we go out into the world, we use our words and So often people are so careless with their words. We don't speak kindly. We don't speak truthfully. And when we start to speak truthfully and kindly, then our words can really shape our lives. I actually feel like there's a lot of value in even just the sounds that we're making aligning with what is happening in our spirit. So if we are saying one thing but truly not either believing it in the moment or not going to back it up later then our words start to become very hollow so you know maybe you maybe somebody wants to open a cafe but they have had you know a decade of, of moments with their friends and with themselves where they have said that they were going to do something and didn't do it you know I'll pick you up at the airport and then you like are 15 minutes late or you tell yourself you're going to work out every day for the week and you don't ever even make it into the gym all of these little ways in which we degrade our self-trust and in ways we degrade our trust that other people have for us therefore when we go to like open that cafe nobody's behind us because nobody trusts in what our words are including ourselves and i feel like it's actually ourselves that are the biggest is the biggest shame to not trust in our own words but we're the ones there all the time knowing when we break our agreements knowing when we say we're going to do something and we don't do it and so as we start to refine our words and to keep our agreements doing what we say we're going to do and of course like life happens sometimes things come up and if things come up, we adjust, right? So we clean things up. We apologize. We make things better by actually stepping up and taking responsibility for the fact that we did break an agreement. And then as we do that, we start to see in ourselves, oh, yeah, I can trust myself. I have seen that I do this. I Every day for the last week, I have kept all my agreements with myself and with other people. And other people start to see it, too. So they start to think, like, oh, wow, whenever when she says she's going to do something, she does it you know like if she says she's going to be there she's there if she says she's going to you know start this class she starts that class so then if that person then says i'm going to go open a cafe people will get behind her they'll come and they'll paint the walls they'll you know help do the things because they know it's not just a momentary thing it's not just a, a thought a passing thought it's really like aligned with something deeper that they can get behind And you know that for yourself as well, where you know that you can get behind yourself and really invest in it. And we start to trust ourselves so much more to manage everything that comes up in our life. And everything shifts and we are able to create momentum. We're able to get our goals. And we're able to do all sorts of amazing things like have a meditation practice and maybe even have a bigger spiritual practice because we just do what we say we're going to do. And I feel like for me, it has been one of the most life-changing things in my life. And I've definitely noticed the people that I have the most regard for in the world definitely live by these principles.
0: Okay. Well, um, and in your book, I know you have tools and rituals uh, to – Um, well, you're calling it wellness, you know, to, uh, you know, kind of find life's sweet spot amidst the chaos, you know, have this uh, well life. And and I would, you know, in in some of the tools, and in a way they're kind of rituals too, uh, you know, you've talked about, uh, you know, keeping your word, um, uh, figuring out what your life path is, uh, you know, what you want from life, because that sort of gives you a, a way to move forward. And um, uh, you know you've you've said incorporate sweetness and structure and space, um, but talk a little bit more about the rituals. Uh, for incorporating wellness. Um, You know, I I think sometimes that word means different things to different people. Um, So what sort of little um, rituals would you do to incorporate wellness? Or have some of these techniques, uh, are you calling, uh, you know, are you calling rituals really uh, techniques?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think both. I mean, we do kind of refer to some techniques as rituals in the book, and but really we encourage people to create ritual in their life because it gives us these really nice moments where we step out of just going, going, going and, and being slightly unconscious to bringing our presence and our consciousness to what we're doing. So whatever... Rituals anyone can create throughout their day to kind of bring more specialness into and, and intention into their lives really have a, an amazing benefit. So one of the things that I encourage people to ritualize all the time is planning. Because planning is such a useful thing to do if you want to have, get the goals that you want and not the goals that are like thrown at you by the rest of the world. So Ritualizing planning by making it a special separate thing. You know, maybe that's lighting a candle or playing nice music or having some way in which you open and close the ceremony. For myself, I know I always do like a little meditation and a little uh, incantation about what I want to get out of my week and how I want the planning to even feel. And then I do my weekly planning, and then at the end of it, I do a little closing to just kind of bless the Process and bless the week. And so that's a way of ritualizing something that is normally either something people dread or something that they just don't do. And so instead, it becomes this like extra special part of my life that I really enjoy. And it has all the specialness that I would want to give to my everyday life and especially as I'm planning my everyday life I definitely want to have a ritual around that um you, there are all sorts of other rituals that we can do around you know eating which is a, should be a very special time for us you know praying for our food or thinking where it came from or whatever that is for each individual, but setting it out apart so it becomes a so that it becomes more special. And there's even been studies that show, you know, when you do this before your meals where you take a moment and even just have a deep breath and exhale and then eat your food, that if we do that we actually digest better and we are less likely to have a reaction to our food. We are less likely to overeat and we're more likely to notice if something isn't sitting well with us and all of those things are obviously super useful because then we you know are able to have healthy and good digestion so then we have energy and vitality through the rest of our lives so you know, we have personally many different rituals that we do in our lives, but we actually really encourage people to create rituals that mean something to them so that they feel connected to them. Because I know a lot of times we aren't connected to rituals that came down maybe from a religion of our parents or something because it doesn't feel like anything to us. But when we can create a ritual ourselves that feels like something to us, it can make a big difference in our lives. Okay.
0: Well, and uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, considering the angst out there right now, uh, you know, the political climate, uh, you know, everything we're hearing in the news, you know, uh, a lot of people are, are afraid or distressed. Uh, are there any techniques um, from, you know, your book uh, that you can, you know, recommend to listeners that might kind of take the edge off?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like, number one, I just encourage people to meditate. And I know it's like, especially when our minds are so full of all the craziness, it can feel really challenging. So, you know, doing a guided meditation so that you don't have to just sit with your own thoughts is sometimes really helpful. But I think that just taking the time to slow down is Actually, really useful so that we, because it helps us not be so reactive. Um, And you know, There's a lot right now to be reactive to. And so if we can just come to the table really, really grounded, then we're able to actually take really deliberate action rather than being in, like, an emotional frenzy, which can happen so easily these days. Um, And then I also think that, you know, practicing gratitude, we talk about that a lot. And I think that practicing gratitude and... What we call following the bold vein of positivity um, are also both great practices during this time, because there is no. There, I, I think that a lot of people feel like they need to be upset in order to take action, and I just know that that's. You don't need to feel like an emotional. Uh, like a, a huge emotional climax of upsetness and anger at the political situation to take action, and we're actually able to sustain action a lot longer if it's coming from a really grounded place. And so, if we're keeping, if we keep checking in with like our present lives and being really grateful for what is real for us in every moment and being able to follow positivity as well. I I often try to do that in the news. I try to look and see like, okay, well, what is positive in this? Not to try to like – negate the not to try to like get around what the issue is but to say like okay well who's trying to help here so you know like looking to see the people that are already on the side that i agree with and uh trying to make a difference and so i think that those kinds of things keep can keep people really grounded and balanced and then and then you can actually take action and then the whole you know we have a huge part in our book around like getting goals and moving through procrastination and other things like that which if you want to make a big difference in what is happening right now we really need to be able to plan and not procrastinate and really take action but not to take it from a reactive place but from a like planned progressive and capable place and so i think that all of those things in the book would really help people
0: okay well, um, and I know we've covered a lot uh and uh, is there anything uh you'd like to leave listeners with that maybe I haven't thought to ask you?
1: um I don't know of anything in particular, but just to remember to be so so gentle with yourself, um you know, I think that being 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 human is just can be so hard and we can treat ourselves so poorly in our minds and just to remember to just be as sweet as you can to that human inside of you so that you can really um, experience the joy that is out in the world and and really appreciate yourself
0: well, that that sounds like good advice. Um, well, Brianna, um, thank you so much. Um, we've been talking to Brianna Borton, uh, co-author of uh, The Well Life, How to Use Structure, Sweetness, and Space to Create Balance, Happiness, and Peace. And their website is thedragontree.com. Thank you so much uh, for being with us tonight. Lots of great advice.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Okay. Good night, Brianna. Bye-bye.
1: Good night. Bye.
0: Well, I see uh, we have a caller on the switchboard. Caller. I'm going to say hello uh, from 705 Area Code. Um, hello, did you have a question or a comment? Oh, nope, there they went. I, uh, I'm i sorry, I didn't mean to run them away. Uh, I thought they maybe uh, had a... Uh, I had a comment or a question. I hope they will call back and I will let them listen there quietly. Uh, My apologies there. I didn't want to neglect you. Um, Anyway. I uh, hope you will stay tuned in uh, for the great stories that uh, Pat, uh, the voice of the sacred feminine roving reporter, has uh, sent in to us. Uh, one of them is real provocative, and it's called No, You Don't Need Vagina Lipstick. Now, I know you have to stay tuned in for that and not, uh, and not miss it. Uh, but uh, before we get to that and some of the other stories, uh, here's a word from Joe Carson. Most people see
2: humankind as really
0: separate from nature and separate from the earth. I'm as much of this earth as a rock or a tree. And I came out of it. This is my mother planet. I grew out of this
2: earth.
0: As long as we conceive of divinity as above us or outside of us, or that our bodies are somehow less divine than spirit, there's no way that we can change our course. Well, you've been listening uh, to the trailer For Dancing with Gaia uh, Joe Carson's feature length documentary film In it she interviews 15 visionaries and teachers About earth energy, sacred sexuality And the return of goddess As Gaia Joe traveled to ancient sacred sites All over Europe and the Mediterranean To shoot this great film These spiritual sites from northern Scotland To central Turkey profoundly affected The origins of western culture And you know if you've always wanted To see them yourself but haven't this is an opportunity to experience some of the best ones and get their story the dvd comes packaged with a 45 page color mini book which goes even deeper into the material you can buy the dvd and booklet for only twenty dollars at dancingwithgaia.com and um just to start uh, sprinkling in some of these uh, stories from Pat, our roving reporter, um, I teased you with the one uh, titled, No, You Don't Need Vagina Lipstick. Uh, so this is something completely uh, ridiculous, but uh, kind of fun. Uh, it, uh, this is from uh, Huffington Post, actually. Uh, it says, it seems plucked right off the pages of Gwyneth Paltrow's diary, but V Magic Feminine Lipstick is a real and unnecessary product that promises to keep your vulva. Quote, balanced, moisturized, and purified, unquote. It's made with organic avocado oil and honey. It claims to treat things like itch and discomfort or skin dryness or, quote, odor-causing bacteria, unquote, and ingrown hairs. According to Dr. Maria Isabel Rodriguez, an assistant professor of, of obstetrics and gynecology at Oregon Health and Science University, you really Shouldn't use this either. She says, Uh, While symptoms may be caused by yeast or hormonal changes, it is essential they be evaluated to rule out any chronic skin conditions, like something I can't pronounce, which is patches of thin white skin or even vulvar cancer, she says. So unless you're dealing with an actual medical condition, your genitals are self-sufficient as they are. The vagina is virtually self-cleaning. It is supposed to have a natural smell. And symptoms like itching, discomfort, and Unusual odors can be signs of a health issue that need professional attention. So if you're having any of those symptoms, don't use vagina lipstick to cover it up. I think that is the the moral behind that story. Isn't that crazy? Um, They will try to sell us anything, don't you think? Um, then let's see this next one Uh, abigail adams would be proud she did tell john adams not to forget the ladies when creating the constitution all right let's see what this one is about hamilton cast members donated their salaries from wednesday night's performance on broadway in honor of international women's day After javier munoz tweeted wednesday marked well, that uh, last week marked International Women's Day as well as the Day Without a Woman strike in which women in the U.S. and around the world highlighted their contributions to society by expressing their frustration on social media, wearing red, and taking to the streets to demonstrate many women did not show up to work, which closed schools around the country. Uh, Hamilton Production included an insert in the evening performances playbill to remind audiences that March is National Women's History Month. It also described how the show was honoring and celebrating International Women's Day. And they show um, what that... um, Uh, insert in the evening's uh, playbill looked like. It says, uh, at this performance of Hamilton, March 8th, International Women's Day, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming to the show. We would like to remind everyone that March is National Women's History Month and today is International Women's Day. In support of all women everywhere, a group of us at Hamilton have chosen to donate our, our salaries from tonight's performance to Dress for Success, an international charity that supports women entering the work Workforce. We thank all the women in this building for being here today and celebrating with us. The mission of uh, Dress for Success is to empower women to achieve economic independence by providing a network of support, professional attire, and the development tools to help women thrive in work and in life. And their website is dressforsuccess.org. Uh, you can actually donate clothes to your local Dress for Success Um uh, chapter, you can just go to uh, www.dressforsuccess.org backslash affiliate list uh, to find the affiliate nearest you. Um, this group has been around for decades and provides clothes to women who can't otherwise afford the kinds of clothes they need to enter a workforce, including a professional one. Many women uh, have been able to gain better jobs because they had the clothes. They needed to do it. You know what they say, you have to look the part if you expect people to believe uh, you can do the job sometimes. And uh, another story from Pat, uh, universal gender equality, uh, uh, colon, Iceland, Iceland does it. Rwanda beats out the U.S. and Minnesota is trying. Well, sort of. Okay, so what's this about? Well, in what's believed to be a universal first, Iceland has announced measures that will require employers to prove that they offer equal pay regardless of gender, ethnicity, sexuality, or nationality, uh, the AP reported. Uh, Iceland's government made the unprecedented announcement on International Women's Day on Wednesday, March 8. Uh, the legislation will affect employers with more than 25 employees and will eliminate the gender pay gap, which in Iceland is 14 to 18% uh, by 2022. Uh, It will be presented to Iceland's parliament this month for signing. Uh, Other countries, as well as the state of Minnesota, have equal salary certificate policies. In Minnesota's case, their law, titled the Women's Economic Security Act, only affects certain state contractors, whereas Iceland's law will affect both private and public employers. Uh, Last November, thousands of women gathered in Reykjavik, Iceland's capital, to protest the gender pay gap. Iceland has consistently ranked number one in the world for gender equality by the World Economic Forum's Gender Gap Index. Um, Across the index, there are only five countries that have closed 80% of the gap or more, the forum reported, uh, following the release of 2016's data. Those top countries just behind Iceland were Finland, Norway, Sweden, and Rwanda. Are we hearing this, people? Rwanda. Rwanda is doing better than the United States. The U.S. ranked number 45 out of the list of 144 countries surveyed. Canada, France, Germany, and the U.K. were all higher than the U.S. What's wrong with women in this country that we are not in the streets by the millions demanding equal pay? Seriously, what is wrong with us? What conditioning uh, makes us feel like this is okay? And uh, this isn't something worth fighting for Anyway, this was also a Huffington Post article And uh, I see, I think a friend of mine from Greece uh, May actually be on the switchboard I am going to take a chance here And uh, unmute and see if that's who I think it is Jack, is that you?
3: Hello, Karen, how are you?
0: hey Jack um, that wasn't you that that called earlier from the seven o five uh area code was it no. Oh, okay, because uh, someone was on the switchboard, and I thought it might have been you using a different number. But I am so glad you got through tonight. Um, this is kind of uh, for uh, my listeners are wondering, what it, why is she having this conversation? We are actually testing our, uh, our uh, I, I guess, our technology to see if uh, you can get through to the show again. Uh, Jack, uh, Jack tried to call in a few weeks ago, and we, he just couldn't get through.
3: There was that very day a massive telecom snafu on the east coast of the United States. I think that's what caused it.
0: Okay. Well, you know, you might have been right. And, uh, you know, ordinarily uh, blog talk is pretty good about letting us know about problems like that. And I sent several notices to them asking if other hosts had trouble um uh, you know, having their guests call in and they didn't even bother to reply. So I'm sorry for the inconvenience, but you know, I, I'm glad to know it was just a temporary glitch and we're going to be able to get you back on the show.
3: Me too, Karen. I'm looking forward to the next one probably in May about Native American and early American culture and history, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I will email you and we'll talk about a date and uh, interesting uh, uh, timing, actually, uh, because, you know, I'm taking an online course right now uh, from Smith University called the Psychology of Political Activists. And we had to choose one of about six activists to study for the eight-week program. And I chose the only Native American activist in the group. So, um, you know, you, you may lend some, um, you know, some interesting information to help me in the course.
3: Uh, good for you, good choice on that one. And, and I think it's important too that we not forget that the Standing Rock uh, struggle is still going on and how important that is. It, it may seem like a small event, but it's saying to the whole world, we need to rethink this. The Earth is sacred, and we we're not going to survive unless we change that.
0: Uh, you know, you're absolutely right, and I, I I am embarrassed to say I have not been keeping up with Standing Rock. I thought uh, all the protesters gave up and went home, but I don't know if that's actually the case or not. So, um, do you, do you happen to know? Have you been following it closely?
3: Uh, I wouldn't say too closely, and I don't know anyone directly who's been taking part, but I think the last I was able to find out was that there is still a, uh, a determined core of people there who are determined to stay there until they're sure that their land is safe.
0: Well, I, uh, you know, I wish them all the success. I know when Donald Trump got into office, uh, you know, he signed some papers that uh, enabled everything to move forward. And, uh, you know, I think the movement kind of lost its steam uh, when we went through the holidays. You know, we had those thousands of and thousands of people out there. The holidays came. The winter came. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of the people, you know, packed up and went home and, uh, You know, it's unfortunate. I mean, it's hard to sustain those kinds of things.
3: Well, that's true, but especially in the face of a a, uh, a judge's order uh, after Trump got into office that they had to vacate the area. Yeah, yeah,
0: and, um, yeah, I mean, and, and there were lots of stories about the abuse that the uh, the activists out there were taken from the local police and uh, it, it was really uh, horrendous it's it's a shame uh, what those activists went through especially when it seems to me from what I know about the situation you know they have uh, they have what's right on their side you know because that's their sacred land and like with so many of the Native American treaties um, you know they're they're just uh, you know as, as my activists that i'm still Studying would say her name is Katsi Cook. Uh, She's associated with the Iroquois and Mohawk people. She said, you know, all of the treaties that the Native Americans signed with the government, they're not worth too much. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're in the piano, um, in in the piano case, uh, but but, you know, they're, they're, you know, pretty worthless. You know, they're not worth the paper they're written on because the government doesn't honor its, um, uh, its obligations.
3: No, and it doesn't even honor its own words, because uh, it came out, uh, be, as the di- protesters were mostly dispersing, that that uh, people within the oil company said, you know, maybe we better relocate this somewhere else, because they know there's going to be a spill. They know there's going to be, and they don't want the bad PR that that would come with.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well Jack, um, I'm so glad you called in tonight uh, I'm glad our, we know now our technical problems are uh, behind us but but you know it turned yeah. out that um, that you know I was sorry we didn't get a chance to do your show. you know we will do it in the you know in, in the coming weeks here, but you know it gave me a chance to do a rather touching little memorial to to um, our our beloved uh, feline daughter who passed away, um, Isis. Uh, was her name, and we had her for 20 years, and she died about a week before your show. And, um, you know, so when I wasn't able to speak to you, I turned the show into a tribute to her. And, uh, you know, so what they say, everything is always perfect. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, I was we'll still, talk again. I,
3: yeah, I was still listening that whole show, Karen, that night. I have two young cats now here in Crete, and I felt every word you said
0: yeah it it was uh it it was uh it we're still raw, you know what can I say we love her dearly, I'm sitting here looking at a picture of her. Uh, you know she's wearing a little egyptian collar that a friend of ours made for her you know uh, her her name being isis and uh and and actually one of my uh uh one of my friends she's a uh a folklore professor she's uh, doing research on animals in the spiritual imagination she heard isis's story and she's going to actually highlight her in one of her books so um so she lives on you know she lives on um, yeah, well, we'll sure Jack. Will. Again, thank you for calling tonight. Uh, we we know we can uh, do our last show, uh, so uh, watch for an email from me, and um, you know tomorrow we'll we'll pick a date for you to come back and uh, finish out your trilogy of talks.
3: Great. I'll be listening tonight, and in, until the next time we get together, Karen. Thank you very much.
0: Okay. D- good night, Jack. Bye bye. Good night. <clears throat> So just a few more uh, stories uh, that Pat, our roving reporter, sent in. Uh, she sent me a lot of great ones. I'm not going to be able to get to all of them tonight. Uh, but this one <clears throat> really kind of catches my eye. It's the Bearded Lady Project, Challenging the Face of Science is, uh, is what, it, uh, what it's called. And um, it goes, this story goes like this. A beard is an instant sign of masculinity, and perhaps also a throwback to a time long past when whiskers were the norm among adventurous paleontologists, almost all of whom were male. Well, in a new documentary, filmmaker Lexi Marsh ponders how beards can act as a membership card into the scientific club, allowing men to bypass the many issues female paleontologists face daily from fighting for recognition to feeling responsible for, air quotes, representing their gender. The Bearded Lady Project is a documentary film and photographic project celebrating the work of female paleontologists and highlighting the challenges and obstacles they face. The Bearded Lady Project, challenge in the face of science, uh mission is to showcase women at the height of their career. And because of that, uh, there haven't been a lot of those horrible discrimination stories. These people may have some scores, (coughs) but it didn't permanently damage their careers. For a lot of these women, the first recognitions of a professional difference from men were usually after obtaining a Ph.D. when they were completing, competing for jobs. Before that, uh, there may have been little things that they were willing to overlook. <coughs> Excuse me. I still have a tickle from a, uh, uh, a throat and chest problem uh, that goes back weeks. Uh, to conclude here The filmmaker said We had one person At a major scientific meeting Say that he was horrified To recognize so many of the women Because he didn't realize How deep an issue it was So anyway If you want to know more about this um, You can see the trailer for the film uh, If you go to the bearded, Thebeardedladyproject.com Backslash trailers Very interesting Well Um, Because I am getting to the point where it is getting difficult uh, to talk again tonight, I think uh, I don't have any other choice but to kind of uh, cut this a bit short. And I will be back with you next Wednesday. Uh, But I will close with uh, the show's mottos. Uh, The first is by the 19th century German philosopher, author Schopenhauer, Schopenhauer, who said, all truth passes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. And third, it is accepted for being self-evident. And uh, before I go to the last one, Uh, there's one other little thing I want to share with you uh, from Laura Perry and then we'll get back to Gandhi
2: The Minoans of Ancient Crete an egalitarian society where women were honored where the sacred feminine was revered where peace and prosperity reigned for centuries Hi, I'm Laura Perry and I'd love to help bring the ancient Minoans to life for you Explore Minoan spirituality with my books, Labrys and Horns and Ariadne's Thread. Embrace your creative side with the Minoan coloring books. And discover the wonders of divination with the Minoan Tarot. You'll find all these at Amazon and other good online and local bookstores. Find out more on my website, lauraperryauthor.com.
0: Uh, You might recognize Laura Perry's name. Uh, She's been on the show a few times talking about uh, um, Minoan Crete, and um, great scholar, uh, great writer. I highly recommend her work. Uh, Check her out uh, on Amazon and look for some of our uh, interviews in the archives. And, you know, I have to make a shameless plug uh, for my own uh, new anthology uh, just out uh, in December, uh, which I'm happy to say includes uh, a wonderful essay from leader in our community like Anne Baring, Rhianne Eisler, Starhawk, Carol Christ, and many other important visionaries and new voices carrying the torch uh, for sacred feminine liberation theology who explain in relevant terms why goddess ideals uh, is the spirituality of freedom, fairness, and evolution. It's called Goddess 2.0, Advancing a New Path Forward, and you can get a signed copy from me for only $16. Uh, you can email me at karentate108 at com. That's karentate108 at ca.rr.com. Uh, or go to the Goddess Store page uh, of my website, com, and you'll be able to be... Um, uh, one of the ones To get a signed copy uh, And discover how uh, Goddess ideals Go way beyond What colored candle You use on your altar Goddess ideals Are about social justice And the common good And you might like to know uh, As I said earlier The book is dedicated To our beloved foremother Rian Eisler uh, Author of The Chalice and the Blade Founder of The Center for Partnership Studies uh, As well as Bernie and Jane Sanders uh, And as you've probably Heard me say Bernie's ideal. Ideals or goddess ideals so let's get to reconciling our spirituality uh, and our politics uh, so in, uh, in, in our final closing for tonight uh, the second show motto by Gandhi uh, he said first they ignore you then they laugh at you then they fight you then you win yes indeed then you win so, um I uh think I will say uh, good night uh to my dear listeners uh with a little bit of uh music from reclaiming and uh with this um Idea of activism on so many of our minds, uh, especially uh, today, March 15th, being the Ides of Trump. uh, You can listen to this uh, activist chant from Reclaiming called We Are the Power in Everyone. Good night, dear listeners. Uh, I won't be with you next Wednesday. I am on vacation, but I will be with you uh, the very last weekend in um, uh, March. And I will have as my guest uh, Peter Wilkes, and we're going to talk about his book, uh, Lucifer, Eve, and Adam. Uh, It's uh, a great book, and I think it's going to be a fun conversation. Uh, So please enjoy uh, the music here by reclaiming We Are the Power in Everyone. Here we go.